Good to be here. So proud to call Grace Community a friend and a, and a partner. And uh, yeah, it's just a privilege. And um, I, think, I think that's really what I want to talk to you today about, talking to people about Jesus. And so I kind of have this uh, title, The Call to Proclamation. I think it's probably something that we all kind of know. Oh, I should tell people about Jesus. Um, and so today I just want to help us maybe get behind some of those announcements, get, get those 30 people that, that are needed to get out there to the July Fair or the, the Perry Hall, uh, uh, whatever it is. I forgot. Uh, you, you did a great, that was like the best announcements I've ever seen before in my life. Um, incredible. That's great. So excited, excited about Grace Community. Um, and and I want to I just encourage you today, hopefully, to, to just proclaim. I want to look in Colossians chapter 1, which is really risky because I know, I know your, your students have been studying Colossians for like all year, and probably any one of them could come up here and preach a better sermon than I could about it. But I want to be in Colossians chapter 1, and I want to uh, reintroduce us, remind us of Paul and his ministry and his, his, com- his, his, his being compelled to proclaim. Um, we, we've been doing a series at our church called Before All Things, and in Colossians chapter 1, I think this, this, this such incredible passage really, really hypes Jesus up as God. He's the creator, Jesus, this man from Nazareth, the God-man, the man who constantly claimed to be God. Um, it says that he's the creator and that all things were created um, for him, through him, and by him. Um, and it says all things are before, he is before all things. And we've been doing this series, and, and out of that, we see the end of Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to see that our, our natural response is actually to, to get very passionate and excited and active um, sharing the message of who Jesus is with the world. And I just wanted to encourage us um, as we think about Jesus being before all things. Um, I've been asking my church, and you can pray for us, and in, in this question, what would happen if you did put Jesus before all things? Because the truth is, Jesus already is preeminent. He already is before all things, right? It's just, are you going to acknowledge that with your mind, your heart, and your life? Jesus is already before all things. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess him as Lord. The question is just like, will I do it now? Will I do it um, as, he, as he gives me opportunities to share with people? So is Jesus number one in your life? And if Jesus was number one in your life, what would your life look like? What would proclaiming him look like? So I want to go ahead and read verse 21 through 29. This is the word of the Lord. Family, let's, let's hear it. The Apostle Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, verse 21, talking to the church at Colossae. And you who, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That was their resume. And we're going to see that's our resume. Verse 22, he, talking about Jesus, has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel, the good news of Jesus that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Verse 24, I want to come back to this verse and and ask some questions. It's going to be a little hard to understand. He says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I am filling up 
what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. What, 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 what could he be talking about here? What is lacking from the suffering of Jesus that Paul understands that he is filling up? Um, we'll come back to that. Verse 25, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of the Lord of the word of God fully known the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints to them God chose to make known how great among the gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery which is Christ in you the hope of glory and here here's our word him we proclaim so it's not just for Paul it's for we him we proclaim warning everybody and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Let's pray again. Father, we do come to you, Lord, asking you to open our our hearts and minds to the truth of your word. God, encourage us in your word today. God, continue to commission us, call us, to be proclaimers. God, the, the, the greatest, the, the most frequent prayer request, I believe, in the New Testament, one of the most is, is give us that boldness to share. And so we come here, we know you love answering this prayer request. Lord, help us to be bold, encourage us. God, lay, lay people places um, and spaces that we need to go to, faces Lord, that need your good news. Um, Lord, help us um, see them. God, God, send us in that way today. Lord, bless this mission team in Mexico as they do this. Lord, we are excited that they are on this, this trip. But Lord, we, we realize that really life is, our life is a short mission trip. God, to this big rock you've put us on, And Lord, the greatest thing that we can do is proclaim your message. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen, amen. I really have uh, not a lot of business preaching. I, uh, I, I actually, last week I served with somebody that I went to high school with and when they remember me, they remember me as being like the most shy person in my high school, middle school, like barely said anything. And I recently got to serve with a couple people that went to high school. My hometown from Easley, South Carolina was just with us last week doing some ministry. And we got to go out there and share with people. And they were even surprised, like, wow, Austin, where is this coming from? And I think, well, that's the Holy Spirit, right? It's also just the burden. It's the understanding that Jesus has called us to this, and this is the most significant thing that we can really do as his people, proclaim the message that he has given us. And there's really no excuses, is there? Moses had excuses, Exodus chapter 4. I I have them too, even as I was reading that scripture, I'm stuttering a little bit, I'm misreading some of the words and having to go back, you know. And Moses goes to God, God God says, Moses, you are going to be my spokesman and you're going to deliver about three million slaves and you're going to be their leader and you're going to establish them as a great kingdom that's going to glorify me, ultimately to proclaim who I am to the world. And Moses says, but, but, but God, God, I, 
I, I am not the one I, I stutter. I am not eloquent of speech. I do not know if I can do this. And God says, guess what? You think you're the worst person for the job. I know you're the best. I'm sending you to proclaim to Pharaoh the good news concerning my people. And I want us to know in a similar way, God has called all of us to be a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus. And I want to say today, you can do it. You can do it because I'm going to talk about these three reasons why I believe that God is able to use you as a proclaimer. It's that he's actually designed your life to proclaim his message. I wanna talk about that a little bit. I want you to know also the message of the gospel is amazing, and I really just wanna say it's easy to share, but that's not, not the best way, so it's amazing and it's manageable to share. It's deep and it's amazing, it's powerful. It's, it's, it's got this thing, it's, it, we need to wrap our mind around it, we need to, we need to grasp it. Um, but it is, it is manageable to share with people. There is a way to share it with all kinds of different people, and God will help us through that. And then ultimately, I want to say, as we look at the Apostle Paul talking about proclaiming it and we proclaiming it, it's been done for 2,000 years. So God has called you to be a proclaimer of the good news of Jesus, and you can do it. Maybe today it's that you can do it more. And ultimately, I'm going to ask you today to think about um, a person that needs to hear the message this week. How can you share that with someone? I want you to think about a place, a place, a face, a place, um, a place where you could begin to get a little more intentional, a little more missional. You have this place in Mexico where you go to share and to help but God's put a place in your life where you can share and, 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 and get the message out. So first of all, let's, let's get to number one. Proclaiming has been designed with you in mind. Um, I want to use this word proclaiming mostly because Paul uses it. Proclaim, that seems like a big one, like, a, like proclaim, like you need to come out with a trumpet. I got news, everybody, Right? Um, I'm proclaiming something, right? I'm not just kind of mentioning something like I am proclaiming. That's strong. Um, a lot of ideas why that word is good. One is, one, one, one might be proclaiming we need this strong word because what we're telling about Jesus is undeniable. We can't deny it. Like we have to, we have to be bold with it. We, we can't deny it. The truth is this morning there's places um, maybe even in Mexico. Um, I have a friend this week who is going to Northern Africa, a Muslim nation where it is illegal, and he's taking an infant and his two toddler daughters. And he's going to live there three years to proclaim the message of Jesus where, where it's illegal to do so. And he could get in trouble. He's not likely to, to come under penalty of death or harm where he's going. But throughout the world, there are places where people die for this truth. And they should. It's worth dying for. It's worth dying for. And if it's worth dying for in foreign countries, it's worth mentioning in, in, to the faces and places where we go. Proclaiming means you fall in line with the prophetic word from those like Paul. Verse 25, he, he talks about it being given to me 
for you. It's been passed down for generations. Even Moses was a prophet and he spoke in ways that Jesus could stand on top of and point to this is what Moses said, this is what I'm telling you. And so there is this whole process that's been going and and the word is already there. We don't have to get all creative about it. It's there. The message is there. And so we proclaim what's already been proclaimed. I think that's what I'm saying. Proclamation, that's a strong word because we realize that we do it by a supernatural power. A lot of times I believe that I can do things on my own, right? Like I'm, 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 I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, I'm strong enough, and people like me, right? Um, I can do it. But when I operate in my own power, I find that I fall on my face, right? One time, one time this week, uh, I, was, I, was, uh, I was taking a risk. I was in one of my vehicles, which is always a little risky. We, I, I had my own mechanic. It's just a thing. I like to work on my cars, and I'm pretty much terrible at it. And I had taken a risk. I had drove with the low fuel light on for about three days. And I always say about my white van, oh, this thing, it doesn't know what it's talking about. Like it basically, you get a quarter of a tank and the light comes on. So I'm risking it. And guess what happened to me? As soon as I got on 695 in in high, uh, quick traffic, guess what happened? I ran out of gas. I'm on the side of the road. And you know, you know Pastor Austin has AAA. I just need it. I just need those people to call them. I'll pay whatever that cost, and they come out and they gave me two gallons of gas and I carried on about my day. But we'll run out of strength. Isaiah says that even young people will eventually run out of strength. But it says the Lord will give them strength and raise them up. We need the Holy Spirit's power to do something like proclaim. Um, okay, so here, here is kind of where we need to start. Uh, if we want to be proclaimers. I think I have it up on the screen. This is verse 24. I want us to think about this a little bit. It says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's affliction for the sake of his body. That is the church. And what, what, I, what I want to ask a question here, what, what does Paul mean when he says that something is lacking about the afflictions of Christ? What is he talking about the afflictions of Christ? Well, he's talking about uh, the, the ministry of Jesus probably, the suffering that he endured, the betrayal, the, the, the scoffing. Um, but he's definitely, he has to be talking about the cross. Jesus was afflicted. That word is used um, in the Old Testament to proclaim and predict the coming of Jesus, that he would die on the cross. He would take the punishment that we deserve and die on the cross. We just sang the song, The the Wonderful Cross, that describes this stuff. The afflictions of Christ is the cross, the penal, the, the punishment that Jesus took. And Paul is talking about something is lacking here. Right, he just—he actually just made. We could go back and read it, but at the, the 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 probably the focus of Colossians, the most powerful, the high we call it the high Christology passage, where Jesus is just—he has to be God that is to be worshipped, because he's the Creator, he's the Sustainer, he's the head of the church. I mean, he's he's Jesus, and so Paul here is talking about what is is lacking. 
He's the reconciler. Paul's just talked about this. He has reconciled us to God. We'll look at this again. But Paul speaks about something lacking about the cross, about the afflictions of Jesus. What could that be? And here here is another question. Is there something that's still lacking today that we need to add to the cross? Maybe our works. It's like, oh, who do we invite to preach here today, right? I was talking to a guy, uh, I'll never forget it. He, uh, he, had, he was about 60-something. And um, met him in, in Baltimore City, and he had spent a lifetime in prison. And when he was a teenager, um, someone lost their life because of him. And, um, and then in prison, some other people passed away. And I began to learn his story. He had, he had basically committed great sin, and, and he, he had been in prison ministry and, you know, and he was telling me like, Austin, you know, I, I just don't feel forgiven. I've done awful things, Austin. I, I, I have always been a criminal. I have always been basically a murderer. I've always thought of myself that way. And I cannot see how a man dying on the cross can make me blameless or clean, And I started talking to him a little bit and I realized he didn't believe that Jesus was the creator. He didn't believe that Jesus was God in flesh, as John 1 teaches, as Colossians 1 teaches. He didn't believe that Jesus was the the son of God, the second person of the Trinity. He believed Jesus to be a great prophet that he wanted to emulate. And I told this man, you know, well, I agree with you. I agree with you. I don't know how you could be forgiven. If that man on the cross is basically just a homeless teacher from 2,000 years ago. Like, but if that man that hanged on the cross is God of God, he is God, he is God in flesh, and he really is the perfect sacrifice, then he is enough. Amen, family, Jesus is enough. But Paul here, he says something is lacking. Is there something we as the church, as followers of Jesus, need to do? What is lacking? And here's, I think, the only answer. Let's start with this. No, nothing's lacking from the cross, right? In fact, whenever you add anything to the cross, um, you end up with nothing, it's not Christianity. If you say, well, hey, I, I, I think I believe in Jesus, but it's Jesus plus, uh, you know, going to church every Sunday. That'll get you to heaven. Um, or it's Jesus plus, like, like having perfect children. That's what's got to be the thing. And it's like, well, no, that's not the gospel. The gospel is that the cross is enough. So, no, we sing a song, Jesus paid it all. He took care of the bill, amen? He took care of my debt. He took care of my punishment. He paid it all. And so what is Paul talking about? He is talking about that the thing that's left undone about the cross is everybody doesn't know about it yet. At our church, that's our favorite word, yet, right? People will come to me and they'll be like, Austin, this neighborhood is bananas. It is crazy. We are not going to reach the people in this neighborhood. And I said, always add to the end of your sentence, yet. We haven't reached all these people yet. We haven't got these 30 people for this parade or whatever we're doing yet. 
Amen? Yet. So the Apostle Paul here, he's talking about what's lacking. The people have not heard enough yet. God loves to basically compete, complete things, but leave enough undone for his people to go in and do. And he wants to show that he can use ordinary, maybe even under ordinary people, and maybe extraordinary people um, to finish things. So Jesus did pay it all, but he left us to proclaim to all. Amen. He left us to tell people, so it's lacking. We even think about Genesis 2. This is what God did. He does. He, he created the world. It's beautiful. It's incredible. It has all this diversity. It has Grand Canyons. It has, it has, uh, st- we have stars. God created awesome things, but he left Adam and Eve in there to make a garden, right, and to fill the earth with people. And in John 14, something similar is said. Jesus has started something. He has started the ministry. And he says, you know what? It's good that I'm leaving because the Holy Spirit can come, the helper can come, and he will will be able to help you remember all that I taught you so that you can share this message. So what is lacking here? What's lacking is that we haven't proclaimed it. We haven't proclaimed this message. You know, good news is only good news if the good news gets there and it gets there on time. So we proclaim, and here, here, here's really what I want to say with this. Your life is designed. God has orchestrated um, the things in your life so that you can proclaim the message of Jesus to a world that needs to hear it. So where you live, it's not an accident. Where you work is not an accident. Where you go for Thanksgiving, Lord help us, amen, is not an accident, right? Like what parades you go to is not an accident. It is built there. And so your life is designed. The cross is lacking. And as the kind of church I know that you are, we love Jesus. It's a wonderful cross. We sing about it. But there's something missing. And you know what it is? It's you and I sharing that message with a world that needs it. That's what's lacking. And Paul said, get this, it's lacking. I've got it, I'm giving it to you. We gotta keep sharing it. And the next thing I wanna tell you is that this thing is manageable to share. It's amazing, it has this depth. It can, you know, we can, we can, we can talk about the gospel forever. In fact, we've been doing that for 2,000 years, but it is manageable to share. It's amazing, it's deep, it's awesome, it's incredible, we need to study it, but we need to share it, and our, our life is designed to share it. I've shared the gospel in the bathroom, public bathroom, multiple times. It's a great place, good faces in there. You got a captive audience. I remember one time I was meeting a pastor because we, we, we partner, we, we minister in poor areas, so we self-sustaining our church is hard, and I was meeting with a pastor in the South, and I went into a bathroom, and I struck up a conversation with a plumber, right, um, that, that was in there working, and he started sharing his life story. Another thing that's great about sharing the gospel in the public bathrooms is that if you get a good conversation started, everybody walks in and out, and they hear what you're talking about, and they're like, man, this is, this is Jesus' conversation in the restroom, and they're a captive audience too, right? They've got to be there. They've got to do the thing. We've, we, we're, we're getting to talk a little bit, and I talked to this plumber for like, like 20 minutes, and then I went out and met the pastor, and he was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm great. And I tried to explain and introduced him to the plumber. Um, 
your life is designed to share that message. And this message is, is not so hard. Sometimes we make it so hard to share. Let me give you one sentence. Jesus died in my place. What do you think about that? Maybe that was two sentences. Just have a conversation with someone. You just proclaimed it. Jesus died in my place. What do you think about that? Might be a really easy way to share the gospel. Jesus died in my place. What do you think about that? Get a conversation started. That's the, you know, with the plumber in the bathroom. That's your assignment today, right? Everybody, everybody at, 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 at Grace is going to hit the public restrooms today and try to see what we can do. We had a, a, a neat opportunity here. I, I love, we're going to look at these passages starting in verse 21. Jesus, the reconciler. Jesus reconciles. He brings the two parties together. You're one of the party. You're, you're, you're the, the, the one party, and God is the other party, and he brings them together. There's this, uh, there's this bridge at our property. We, we're in Baltimore City in a neighborhood called Armstead Gardens. Um, by the way, you know, here in Baltimore City and County, we're one of the, the places in the United States that has over a million lost people. So if you have a conversation for 20 minutes in a public restroom, you will hit some lost people with the gospel. Because it's just the statistics, right? Like, they're, they're like we're like 10%, less, they're like 9% evangelical, probably less than that in Baltimore City. That's just according to, the, to, the, uh, to the, the census that people filled out like 10 years ago, right? I'm sure it hadn't gotten any better in 10 years, amen? There's a very lost place that we live in, and we have the duty, we have the privilege, we have the joy to share this amazing, manageable message. We want to connect people to God, right? Jesus is the reconciler. Um, we've been needing uh, this bridge. So we're in the city and um, we actually have six acres of land. And some of the things that we want to do is make like a nature walking trail and we want to bring city kids in because I'm actually from the country. I'm like from farm country in South Carolina in the mountains. So not only the farm but also trying to make a farm in the mountains. That's like where I'm from. So maybe I can bring a little bit of that. We've got like a garden going on. We're trying to, to do some stuff and, and, and reach people, maybe, maybe expose people to some, some neat stuff, but ultimately want to share Jesus with them. And we have this big creek that runs through our church property. It's probably at, some, at, the, it's probably at 10 feet, some places like 15 feet, and we've been trying to build a bridge. And the first thing that I did, and this, was, this is the hard way to build a bridge, I went to Baltimore City and asked them, hey, what kind of permit do I need to build a bridge? And I went to like seven rooms that day. It was a whole afternoon. I developed a terrible migraine halfway through it because every room I went into, I talked for 20 or 30 minutes and they pointed, go across the hall and talk to that person. And they, they, then I went there, go across the hall, talk to that person. And that was all day. And I still don't even know how I would ever build this bridge. But I had this mission team. I'll show you a picture here. I have this mission team. There in the middle is a pastor named Randy. This is a guy that can do anything, and he's got like a Johnny uh, Cash deep voice, and he said, Austin, right there are some black locust trees, and we're going to drop those things down, and we're going to build you a bridge. 
And they did it in a day. They just built this thing. I don't know if it's illegal. I don't know who's going to come. If you see it, if anybody asks me, I'll say, I don't know. Some crazy guy named Randy just came in and built this thing. I don't know. I don't have anything to do. We're going to use that bridge. And that bridge reconciles us to the rest of our property. It's actually two other acres. And so now we can get there. And that's what the cross does, family. The cross makes a bridge for lost humanity to find the God that they've always been looking for. The text talks about this mystery. We, uh, we share, you might have heard the ABCs of like salvation. Admit, believe, commit your life. It's easy as the ABCs, we say stuff like that. I found those, those letters in these three verses. Look at verse 21, it says, and you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That's, the, that's, that's every human's resume as they're trying to get in to heaven. And I managed to get into college, but I had like some weird stuff, like I took five sciences and did okay in them in high school. I had like a couple AP classes. I had like four years of French. I don't even know why I had four years of French, but I, 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 I barely got into college. This is our resume to get into heaven. You are alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, right? We, li- we live in a world, have you, have you thought about this? I, I'm like kind of late 30s, I'll just say that, I'm late 30s. I've lived through the 90s and the other decades that I've lived through. And man, I tell you, I've never lived in a place where we're so afraid to offend anyone, right? Like offending anyone, like Austin, you really believe verse 21? Yeah, because God said it, right? It's not my idea, it's God offending you, right? Um, but we, we live in a world where we wanna like get the letters for everybody that we shouldn't offend, like LGBTQ, like um, FBI, CIA, KFC, XYZ, LOL, www.org, right? And it's like, don't offend any of these people. Are you the, have you noticed though that like, even though we're so intentionally not offending people, have you ever lived in a time where people are not more offended? Like people are so offended than, than they ever were. People have so much anxiety, so much, so much stress, so much anger, so much, so much pain, so much trauma, so much issues, and we, we're saying, no, don't offend them. If you, know, if you know what's wrong with their life, don't, don't offend them. Family, I, I don't wanna run around offending everybody, but I wanna let everybody know that the real problem in their life isn't that they've offended LGBTK, KFC, LOL, it's that they have offended G-O-D. And we are alienated from God. We're like Martians to God. I don't believe in aliens, I'm sorry if you do, but if I did, I wouldn't wanna hang out with them, right? Because I've seen the movies, I see what they do. I wanna stay far away from them. And one thing that God has done that's generous to all of humanity, he has alienated us instead of destroyed us. According to the word of God, if we really got what we would deserve, we would be smoke. But God says, I will alienate you. I will distance myself. 
and I will pursue you with Jesus, and you need to respond to the gospel. The problem is we've offended God. We've offended G-O-D. The problem is S-I-N. It's sin. He uses strong words here, family. We are hostile in mind. You know, the problem with the world is that we are at war with God. If, even if just in our minds, certainly with our actions, but we, we are prone against God. And we need to let the world know, hey, you're in the wrong fight, right? Maybe anybody in uh, middle school, I don't know when your fighting days was. You ever picked the wrong fight or like got in the wrong fight? You had a buddy like, hey, I've seen this guy. He knows karate or something like that. You're in the wrong fight. We need to tell the world it's, it's amazing. It's manageable. Hey, you're in the wrong fight. You don't know it. You're fighting God. You're a good person. There's good stuff around you, but I want you to know God still sees that you're alienated. You're hostile in mind, and then you're doing evil deeds. 22 is believe. So admit that you're alienated. 22, believe that you need to be blameless. Because the thing is, we can't just right our wrongs. My friend that, that had committed murder, man, how, he's just, he might just have a couple years left. He's in his 60s. How's he supposed to right his wrongs? I don't think he can. I don't think anybody can except Jesus. Jesus has right, righted my wrongs. Sorry, I'm from South Carolina, bad grammar. He has righted my wrongs. Good theology though, right? He has righted my wrongs. Look at verse 22. He has reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Right? And then C is commit. We've got the word continue here. It says, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation, under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have became the minister. If there was one more encouragement that I gave you real quick, it's been done before. It's been done before. Let me show you this picture of this bridge again real quick. Um, I was all scared, intimidated about this bridge. Like if I build this bridge, well, I got Pastor Randy from a place called Easley, South Carolina. He's like, I've made thousands of bridges with black locust trees. We're going to drop these things and make a bridge, brother. It's going to take us about six hours. And I saw this thing costing hundreds of thousands of dollars, hundreds and thousands of hours, and part of my, my mind just getting, getting uh, lost probably, insanity being lost. But this guy, he had done it before, and he had seen it done before. Just cut down some trees, make it make it happen. We got Paul from the Old Testament. I mean, the New Testament. We got Moses from the Old Testament. By the way, just like my friend, these guys were murderers, amen? And God said, I got enough grace for you. I'm gonna save you and I'm gonna use you. It's been done before for 2,000 years. And Paul is is facing this stuff at the church of Colossae. Half the people are kind of enamored with like this Jewish legalism, like, hey, we need to watch the pork and we need to figure out the holiday situation and we need to do all this extra stuff because I think the cross needs extra stuff. And Paul is like, no, the mystery's been solved. It's Jesus. 
He's done the extra stuff. He's righted your wrongs. He's made you blameless. There was more secular, like, uh, uh, Gnostic people there, and they're like, you got to add some hippy-dippy spiritual stuff, like maybe all materialism, material stuff, like the body doesn't even matter, and you can just go on sinning, and it, and it won't even matter. And Paul's like, no, the mystery has been solved. It's all about Jesus. Jesus has saved us, and he has made a way for us to live. We need to repent and follow Jesus. Look at verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings, for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you. It was given to Paul um, so that he could give it to that church so that it could be given to us. We don't need to make a new one. We need to make the word of God fully known, verse 25. These mysteries have been Saul, verse 26, the mysteries hidden for ages and generation, but now revealed to his saints, verse 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Think about this a little bit. Think about what's been done for us already. Like we might have the easiest situation to share the gospel, right? Because Paul and others, they've already suffered immensely. And there's still people suffering here in this world here and now. And we need to be sensitive and help them and, and understand that. But he's already suffered it. It's been proclaimed for 2,000 years. Um, the church has been started. I, I, I mostly identify. Um, seems like I'm a, I'm a millennial, so I can identify. As the, I mostly identify as a church planner and evangelist. Um, and, but the thing is, I don't have to reinvent the wheel it's, the church has already been planted. The church is, we already know what the church is to, to do it, and it's good to see other exp expressions. We just have to continue what's already been laid out for us. I think J.I. Packer said about theology and stuff that we, we stand on the shoulders of the giants to look toward our future. And there's a similar thing. The, the Bible itself, we don't need to add any more scripture. The Bible, the 66 books, they're, they're amazing. They're enough. But we stand upon that to do the things, the hardest parts have already been done. Have you ever thought about how um, one, of, one of Paul's legitimate ways of getting messages is like to put a note in a bottle and just throw it in the ocean and hope that it gets to the other side? Look at here, we could, we could talk to anybody on email today. We could call anybody on Facebook or our cell phone we could, we could get in a plane and be almost anywhere in the world in less than two days. All you need is a plane and a machete, and you can get anywhere in this world today in two or three days to share that gospel. Why is it that today the gospel is probably shared less than it was in Paul's day? When we have all these amenities, all of these niceties, all these comfortable, you could be air-conditioned for half of that trip, Right? Why is it? Why is it? It's because we miss the main purpose for our life. Look at verse 28 and 29. Him we proclaim, warning everybody, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy. He'll give you power that he powerfully works within me. So what's, what's Austin talking about today? We, we need to proclaim this message. 
We can do it. We can do it. Our life is designed for us to do it. You don't have to go to the jungle to do it. You might just need to go to the restroom and do it, right? Your life is designed for people to hear the message around you. There's no excuses. We fill up what is lacking in the gospel. What's lacking? Well, it's just proclaiming it. Do you know the one reason that you're not dead today and that the sky hasn't cracked and Jesus hasn't came back and set up the kingdom or, or, or brought us home, however, however we see Jesus' return? Do you know why it hasn't happened yet? Because not enough people have came to King Jesus to become part of his kingdom. And God's plan to get that message to the world is, is you and I. We're the plan. We're the plan to get that message to people that need hope, people who are in darkness, people who are alienated. God wants to reconcile them, but he wants to use us. It's been done before. It's been done for 2,000 years. So as we think about Christ before all things, certainly it means that we will let people know about him. So a few things I want you to think about today. Maybe one person, one face, one, one place, another thing, another, a place that you could start intentionally trying to figure out. Maybe it, maybe it ends up in a, as a Bible study that you're inviting people to in your neighborhood. Maybe it's at your work. Maybe it's at your bowling alley. Maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, maybe it's on an airplane Wherever the place is, I want you to know there's, there is one problem. The enemy don't like it. And he does all kinds of things to stop it. So I'll leave you with this idea that you can do it. God has designed your life to do it. Right? He has made it a relatively easy thing to do. It's manageable. Christ died in my place. What do you think about that? That's a great start to a conversation. It's been done before. We stand on the shoulders of the, the prophets that God has already used. The only thing left for us is to, is to do it, to proclaim it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we pray today that you would continue to inspire us, fill us with boldness, God, that you would help us see the opportunities. Lord, that you would help us make the opportunities to share this message. Lord, we are privileged to be your people, your prophets, your proclaimers, your heralds, your announcers. And God, we have such tremendous good news to share. Lord, we want to fall in line with, with the saints of old and begin to share the gospel message that you died in our place, that you are the king, that you are Lord. God, help us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.